Welcome everyone. My name is Darren Snow and I am the senior pastor at Crossroads Community Church in Aurora, Illinois. And I am so glad that you are joining us in our series on the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus called Walking in the Light. Good morning, saints. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. You better believe it. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. If you are visiting with us, we got a lot of visitors here. Uh, it is, it's just great to have you uh, with us. Some of you, it's great to have you back with us. It's great to have you here this morning at Crossroads Community Church. If you are visiting with us online, we are so glad to have you with us as well this morning. And if you're visiting uh, with us this morning, then I'm guessing that that little video will give you a tip-off as to where we are and what uh, we have been studying for about, oh, I don't know, for more than a few weeks now. And that is the book of Ephesians. If you're visiting with us uh, at Crossroads this morning, we'd like to do books of the Bible. Uh, last year, we finished up a three-year run through every single verse in the book of Luke. And we started uh, this series uh, in February, actually, now that I think about it, uh, Ephesians. And there are six chapters in Ephesians. There's 155 verses, and we're going through every single one of those uh, as well. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them up. We're going to pick up right where Pastor Caleb left off two weeks ago. We were obviously taking a break for Easter Sunday, and that is in chapter 2. And in here in just a few minutes, we're going to look at verses 8 through 10. A couple of things, though, before we get into the Word. Uh, let me ask you, I'm going to see a show of hands now. How many of you were at or watched, some of you may have been on the road or at home, but how many of you watched or were here uh, any of the four services that we had for Good Friday and for Easter Sunday. Can I see some hands? Guys, it was packed out. It was the first real time since pre-COVID, and they were awesome service services. Uh, Good Friday service was off the charts, and then uh, Easter Sunday last, uh, last week. And so we don't do this very often, but I cannot begin to tell you how much work goes into those services. And Caleb and I just get come up and, and we get to preach the word. We, we've got the easy jobs. We've got the great jobs of, of just getting to preach the word. But all of that goes into making those services, you just wouldn't have any idea. I never had any idea until I became a pastor. So can we do something we don't do very often? But I'm going to ask our worship team singers and players to stand up. Most of them are in the service here and our tech team. You guys stand up. Can we let these guys know just how much? We appreciate them. Pastor Mike and his whole crew, all these guys. You may be seated. I'm always a little bitter because I keep waiting for Pastor Mike to ask me to either sing or play, and it's just funny how that never happens. Yeah. And you are very thankful that that doesn't happen. Hey, one other quick thing before we get into the Word, and this is for newcomers. You might be here for the very first time. You might be here maybe the second or third time. Maybe you've been coming for a few months. But if you're thinking about making this your church home, again, maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you've been coming for several months. We have something that we do throughout uh, the year, and it's simply called Stories with the Staff. There's our little, uh, little slide there for it. And Stories with the Staff happens next week, immediately following second service. It's really casual. There's no obligation. There's no pressure for you to do anything. It's just an opportunity for Pastor Caleb and I to get to know you, to hear a little bit about your story, and for you to get to know us and hear a little bit about our stories. We have a little uh, box lunch. It's incredibly casual. And again, there, there is no pressure on you to do anything, okay? 
But if you'd like to be a part of that, then what we need you to do uh, is to register for that. And you can go to our website and do so. And again, that will be happening next Sunday, the 23rd, immediately following second service. And so I know there's some of you that are relatively new. I haven't had a chance to meet. Maybe Caleb has, maybe not. But we would love to get to know you, and that will be happening next week, Stories with the Staff. Okay, uh, enough commercials for this morning. Let's jump in. To get us back into the groove of uh, chapter 2, let's go back and do a very quick review of Pastor Caleb's message from two weeks ago. So two weeks ago, Caleb uh, led us into chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians. And what Paul, the Apostle Paul, by the way, who wrote this letter, if you're not aware, what he gave to us there in the first seven verses of Ephesians chapter 2 is nothing less than the greatest news in the history of humankind. That is not hyperbole. It, it was the turning point, the event that he's talking about, the turning point of all of history, of all humankind. And that is uh, the, the simplicity of the gospel. And, and what Paul gave to us uh, two weeks ago that Caleb unpacked for us is that we are, we come into this world as human beings dead, okay, dead in our trespasses and in our sins. The seed of Adam that's been handed down for all of these generations, it goes all the way back to two real people, not myth, not legend, Adam and Eve, and that seed of sin has been passed down. And that's really bad news. The really, really bad news is because of that sin, what we deserve, as unsavory as it sounds, but what we deserve as human beings is hell. What is hell? That is an eternity apart from God. That's what we deserve. And that's the first part of uh, the message that Caleb gave to us. But then we get to the beautiful turning point where Paul says, Oh, but God. Oh, but God. Oh, but God. Because of his grace and of his mercy, he gives us the opportunity to be made alive in Christ. So we have the opportunity to go from being dead spiritually to being alive in Christ. But Paul is really just getting started. Matter of fact, I will say, this is really kind of a message within a, a series within a series. If you were not here two weeks ago, I would urge you, go back and watch that from two weeks ago, because this is part two of that. And Paul is just getting started. And so here's what we're going to look at today, saints, is Paul is now going from the what. The what was salvation from two weeks ago. And now he is going to move uh, from the what to the how. So if salvation really is possible, how does salvation work? How good do I have to be to receive salvation? Right. And then he's going to go from the how to the what next. So if I receive that free gift of salvation, then what do I do with that? That's what we're going to be looking at this morning, verses 8 through 10, the how and the what next. Let's dig in. Here we go. Paul says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, by grace through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is not a result of works. It is not a result of you being a good person, Paul says, so that no one can boast. And then look what he says here in verse 9. He says, for we, talking to Christians, for we are his workmanship, interesting word, we'll come back to that later, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God himself, God the Father, prepared beforehand that we as Christians should walk in them. May God add his blessing 
to the reading of his word. So now let's start to do some unpacking. And so I mentioned that Paul is going to talk to us about how salvation does happen. But let's start with this. Let's start with how salvation does not happen. How it does not happen. And what we're going to talk about here and what he says to us in verse 9, we're going to skip down to verse 9, we'll come back to verse 8 in just a moment, is what separates, now hear me, what he says in verse 9 is what separates Christianity from every other world religion. Okay, what he says here in verse 9. And what he says in verse 9, just to recap, is our salvation is not a result of works so that no one can boast. Simply put, I make this as straightforward as I can. Simply put, salvation has, uh, does not happen based upon anything. It's not based upon anything that we do. There is nothing, not a zero zip, whatever other synonym I could use. There is nothing that we could ever do to earn our way into God's favor. Now, I want you to stay with me. This, that statement goes against everything that our culture says. Everything our culture says. So Hannah, one of our high schoolers sitting right down here. So Hannah, what the culture says to you and has for a long, long time, this is nothing new, but here's what the culture is saying to Hannah. What the culture is saying to Hannah is, Hannah, if you will just be a good person, if you'll just be a good enough person, then Hannah probably, there's a really good chance you're going to go to the good place. Be a good person, and you will go to the good place, wherever or whatever the good place may be. That's what our culture screams at us. Now, here's what we tend to say to ourselves. Are you ready for this? Hey, I'm a good person. I'm a really, really good person. All right? I do good things. I work really hard. I volunteer. I even go to church on Easter. I may not be perfect, but hey, who is? I may not be perfect. You know, let's not go too far. But I'm better than most. And so because I'm a good person, if there is a good place, then dadgummit, I deserve to go there. And what Paul is saying to us, what Scripture is saying to us loud and proudly this morning is, no, you don't. And no, I don't. No, we don't. Unlike every other world religion, I've looked at them all. Take the time. Look up. Every other world religion says if you'll just be a good enough person, then good things are going to happen to you and you're going to go to the good place, whatever that may be. But the Bible is absolutely clear, and I'm not just cherry picking Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. It's all the way through Scripture. But what Scripture says to us is that living a good life is really good, but living a good life does not, in any way, shape, form, or fashion, merit our salvation. And this is why the Apostle Paul says that we cannot boast. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. There will be no peacocks in heaven. You ever seen a peacock? They like to throw their feathers up, and they like to walk around like they are God's gift. My friend Mark right here is going to be in heaven someday. I know that because Mark is a follower of Jesus. Mark, I love you to death. Let me tell you something. Let me give you a scene that will not happen. Are you ready, Mark? You and I will not be in heaven someday walking around like a couple of peacocks saying, Oh, look at the great things that we did. And I'm telling him all the great things that I did. And Mark is saying, well, you're nothing. Let me tell you all the great things that I did. None of those conversations will be happening in heaven. There will be no peacocks in heaven. 
Because we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Not by our good works. Flies in the face of culture. Flies in the face of everything that we want to believe about ourselves. And that's the truth. Okay, so we got a couple of questions that are going to be begged this morning. Here's the first question that's begged. Maybe you're thinking this to yourself right now, okay? Well, if we're not saved by being a good person, well, how in the Sam Hill are we saved? I thought I was just supposed to be a good guy and kind of, you know, hope that the big guy up, uh, upstairs grades on the curve. And I, you know what I mean? I, I may not be Mother Teresa, but I'm not Hitler. I'm not a Packer fan. Bear fans, you could put a, a little extra tithe in, 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 in the bucket this morning. I'm going to pay for that later. By warning Diane and Corbin sitting right down here. Okay, so if we're not saved by being a good person, then how in the world are we saved? Let's go to our money verse, if you will. Let's go to verse 8. Let's go to verse 8. Paul says, for it is by grace that you have been saved. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, but rather it is the gift of God. So we are saved by the free gift, the free gift of a loving and gracious God. We are saved by his grace through faith. Now let's take those two simple little words and let's unpack a little bit. For those of you that call Crossroads home, you've heard this a thousand times, let's make it a thousand and one. What exactly is grace? This ought to come right off your lips. Here's what grace is. It is God's unmerited, key word is unmerited. It is his unmerited favor. We don't deserve it and we can never earn it. See, that's why the good works, and we're going to get to good works. There's plenty of good works that we're called to do. Okay? But if you think you can good work your way into the presence of a perfect, holy, and just God, you are sadly mistaken. And it doesn't matter what I say. What I say doesn't mean squat. What does the word say? Okay? So, grace is God's unmerited favor. It is not earned or is not deserved. Let me give you just a simple little illustration. Uh, four months ago was Christmas time. All right? And this last Christmas is the first Christmas that Julie and I, my wife and I, got to uh, celebrate with now both of our little granddaughters. So our little granddaughter, Abigail, was born last June, so she was about six months old at Christmas time. And then our older granddaughter, uh, her name uh, is Joanna, and she was about two years old. All right? So Julie and I, along with my daughter, Lauren, their mother, and my son-in-law, Matt, and the in-laws on the other side, who also go to Crossroads, Dave and Heather Worst, so what do you think we did when it came to, to gift time to those two little girls? <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? I mean, they're six months and, and, and two years old at the time. We showered them with gifts. Now let me ask you a question. What did that six-month-old and that two-year-old, what had they done to merit all of those gifts? All they do at that age is they eat and they go poopy and they cry, but more than anything, they just look cute, don't they? So based upon nothing that they've done, now there will come a time, right, where you say, you better be good, you know, Santa Claus isn't going to come. There's a time where you're expecting, but when they're six months and two years, you're not really expecting them to do anything other than to look really cute. Do you see that? The gifts that we showered them with were unmerited gifts. We gave them those gifts simply because of who they are and because we love them. 
It's the same with the good and gracious God who gives to us that which we do not deserve if we will but receive those free gifts. Okay, so we're saved by grace through faith. If you're taking notes, and many of you do, let me, I didn't put this, I should have put this in your notes, but I didn't, but let me give this to you, okay? The basis of our salvation is grace. The basis of our salvation is grace. The means of our salvation is faith. Did you get that? The basis of our salvation is grace. The means is faith. So what exactly is faith? Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11.1, I believe that is. So let's kind of put this together. What I would say is, and the point of truth for you is, true faith, biblical faith, is kind of putting that together, would be belief and trust. So I'm going to put my belief in Christ. I'm going to trust him, all of those things. And then what we're going to add to this as a biblical faith would be obedience. So let's leave this up here, uh, Larry. So faith is belief, but trust, uh, excuse me, plus trust and obedience. In other words, a biblical faith is an active faith. It's an active faith. There was this nut <laughs> back in the 1800s named the Great Blondine. Anybody ever heard of the Great Blondine? Leave this up here too. Okay, let me tell you why he was a nut. He was a tightrope walker. All right, and back in the 1800s, this guy walked across Niagara Falls. Now, I've never been to Niagara Falls, but I've seen it. Now, not only did Nutt walk across uh, Niagara Falls, but he did so with a wheelbarrow. There's a, a picture of it. And not only did he do this once or twice, he did this 20-something times at one shot. He's going back uh, and forth. And so he's making one last trip, the crowd is going nuts, and as he starts to come off of the high wire, there's a guy, and this is recorded, this, this is real, who, who yelled at the great blondine, you could do that a hundred times. And the great blondine looks at this guy and says, do you really believe that? And the guy says, yes, yes I do. And the great blondine, without missing a beat, said, get in. <laughs> See, that's the kind of faith that God calls us to. There is no real and active and biblical faith without belief and trust and obedience. And so Jesus says, you're receiving this free gift, great, wonderful, awesome. Now get in. We're going to come back to the getting in here in just a few minutes. Okay, so real quick, let's recap because we, we still got to look at verse 10. If you are a believer, if God the Holy Spirit is living within you, then you have been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, not by your works. Great, awesome, wonderful. This is the next question that is then begged. And that is this. Now what? Now, marinate on that moment, on that a moment. Now what? What, what do I do? I've got this beautiful gift that, that I don't deserve, that I could never earn. So what do I do? We talked a little bit about this last week on Easter Sunday. But what do I do? Do I sit, and sit around and wait for Jesus to come back? That's a thought. Again, like we talked about last week, Jesus, is, Jesus has been gone for 2,000 years. Now hear what Jesus said. He said, I'm coming back. And I can assure you, he's coming back. I couldn't care less if, if you don't believe that or not. He's coming back. What we don't know is what we do know is he's coming back. What we don't know is when. And it may be another 2,000 years, it might be another 10, it might be 20. But as followers of Jesus, here's the deal, it does not matter. As followers of Jesus, I should take less than a second 
in a year to think about when is Jesus coming back. Am I saying that's not important? I'm not saying that at, that at all. But why is it not something that I dwell on and get all worked up about all the time? Why? Because he's given us a mission to do right now. He's given us what to do right now. He's given us a work to do. It's what we talked about last week. That's what gives, us our, gives our lives meaning and purpose. Because he says, here's this free gift. Now, get in. Get in the game. Let's look at verse 10. He says, for we, this is, this is followers of Jesus, Christians, for we are his, God the Father, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Now, here we go. For what? You can say it, for good works, which God prepared beforehand, before time began, okay, before time began, God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, let's look at that little word, maybe not such a little workmanship. It's an interesting word when you dig down into this. So what does the Apostle Paul mean when he says that we as Christians are his workmanship? Uh, we, don't, we don't like to, you know, overwhelm you or try to look, you know, really cool when we give you a bunch of Greek or Hebrew words, but this is one that's really important. That little word translated out of the original language, which is Greek, is a Greek word uh, that's, that, that's called poema, poema. And from that word, we get our English word poem. Great, wonderful. Here's what's significant about that. In the original language, that word means a work of art. Stay with me. It means a work of art like a song, like a painting, like a poem. So what Paul is saying here is that we, as followers of Jesus, we are nothing less than his works of art. We are his masterpieces. Now, I want you to understand this now. He's speaking to Christians Jay, you know what makes you a masterpiece? What makes Jay a masterpiece is not that he is a human being made in the image of God, which he is, and we'll get to that, I think, in two weeks. The Imago Dei, Latin for the image of God. It's not that God created Jay, he did. But what makes Jay a masterpiece is the same thing that makes everyone who has come into a saving relationship with Jesus, a masterpiece, is that when we come into a relationship with God, God the Holy Spirit literally comes and indwells within us, and we are now everything that God created us to be, based upon what he has done, not what we have done. That's what makes us a masterpiece, because we are perfect and whole based upon what Jesus has done for us. Now, that begs the next little question, and I would put it to you uh, this way, is that if we are his workmanship, what does that require of us? Now, require is a very strong word, and this is why we have to be really clear theologically. There is nothing that is required of us to receive salvation. But I think it's biblical, based upon verse 10, that once we receive that salvation, Jesus says to us, get in. He says, get in the game, and there obviously, from what uh, the, the verse says, there are good works that we are required to do. There are good works that we, so if you're a follower of Jesus, okay, this is part of what you signed up for, and nothing could be better, oh, by the way. So there are good works that we are called to in a very broad sense, in a very broad sense, simple acts of love care, 
justice, service. And I would even say this, in the crass world in which we live in, simply being nice basically sets us apart from everybody else. Don't we live in a mean world? Look at your social media feed, for goodness sakes. So so there there are broad acts of care and service that God calls us to. And then there are very specific acts of good work works that God calls us to based upon who we are, uh, based upon our gifting, based upon seasons of life, all different kinds of things. So let me put it to you this way. We are not saved by our good works, but there is no doubt we are saved for our good works. You knew it, Sherry. You were saying it before I did. We're not saved by our good works, but we are, sa- uh, but we are saved for our good works. And these good works that God calls us to are so much more important than just doing good things. What I would tell you, what I believe biblically, is that the good works that he calls us to are very much part of our sanctification. If you come to Crossroads, you hear that word all the time. We talk about it all the time. The simple definition, if you're not familiar with that term, of sanctification is growing to be more like Jesus. Let me give you another uh, definition that's a little bit meatier that connects with what we're talking about. Let me give it to you. Sanctification, the process, it's not overnight, I wish it was, it's not, the process of God's continuing work in Christian believers through the power of God the Holy Spirit. He always does all the heavy lifting. And look at this, it is growth in grace and holiness marked by, oh what a shock, good works. This is so simple and yet so powerful for us as followers of Jesus that we grow to be more like Jesus. We become more sanctified by actively living out our faith and doing the good works that God has called us to. Now, it is here that I want to be a little bit more specific and give you some specific examples of the good works that God calls us to, and there are a bazillion of those, more than a bazillion. And there are good works that God calls us to as Christians that are outside of of the church, that are outside of the community of faith, for sure. What can some of those be? Um, It's almost, summertime is almost here, the snow tomorrow notwithstanding, which means it's it's lawn cutting season. I've already cut my lawn for the first time. Some of you that love uh, yard work, you need professional help. (laughs) I am one who loves yard work. But let's say you know your neighbor is, is going, I don't know, your, your neighbor's going on vacation at summer season. What's a really cool good work that you can do? Take a deep breath, say a prayer, mow their yard. Middle and, and high schoolers that are here. Middle and high schoolers are here. You got about, what, another five, six weeks, give or take, of class? You, you still have an opportunity to make such an impact on a kid's life in your school that you can't even begin to believe. In the next five or six weeks, middle and high schoolers, do one thing for me. That kid that gets bullied, that kid who sits by themselves in the lunchroom every day by themselves, reach out to that kid. Hey, come on over. Won't you sit with us? And go and volunteer at Waterleaf Women's Center. There are so many things that God calls us to outside of the community of faith. And there are things that God calls us to within the community of faith. So many ways to just jump in and get involved and do good things. Maybe God's calling you to be part of our one team. It's what we call, you know, uh, our usher and greeter team. Maybe God's calling you into a children's ministry. If you speak Spanish, maybe God's calling you to be a part of our third service. Right, Pastor Juan? 
But let me give you let me give you two very specific good works that you can be a part of in the next couple of months. Okay? Really, really simple. In two weekends, we're gonna have our third, hard to believe it, it's our third annual women's warrior retreat. And it's going to be awesome. We already have about 120 women that have signed up for this. We should triple that. The good work that you can do is one, signing up to go, which is going to be awesome for you. It's going to be awesome. You may not get as cool t-shirts as we got at the men's retreat this weekend, by the way, which is what we're wearing. All right. Yeah, better? Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Was that you, Liza? We'll see. That was somebody down here, the, the smart acre in the front row down here. Yeah. Okay? But here's the good work that you can do. Ladies, for someone that's either within our church or outside of our church, who do you know that, we, that would be blessed beyond words if you invited them to come to Women's Warrior Retreat? How simple is that going to be? Simple, nothing to it. Hey, come on with me. Pastor Mike and the team are going to lead worship on Friday. Got an awesome speaker on Sunday. We're going to do our thing, and it's going to be awesome. Let me give you one more. Um, summer season is mission season. Great, awesome. Our high schoolers are going to go down. They're going to build homes down in Mexico this year. Great, awesome. Right, Corbin? I think, Corbin, you're going on that trip. Um, we've got our summer serve that we do locally here in Aurora. But there's one other that we talked about uh, that we talked about on Mission Sunday, and that is after a three-year hiatus because of COVID, after a three-year hiatus, we're going to go back to Honduras. This is a picture from three years ago, or some of our Christ. So there's Melvin, who's our worship leader right down front. Tyler is here. Doug Overstreet over there on the left. Um, these people in Honduras, listen to me, saints, there's not a person here or person watching that we are not filthy rich compared to these folks. These people have nothing. They have nothing. And so we as a church have the opportunity to bless their socks off. And, and everybody that calls Crossroads home, and maybe you're busy and you just want to join in, everybody can be a part of this. All we're asking you to do is to help us equip the trip. How do we equip the trip? After the service, okay, some of the ladies are going to go out because Tasha and her crew are going to be out to help you with the Women's Warrior Retreat, right, Tasha? Be out there to help. Tasha's ignoring me, but now she's saying yes. She's going to be out there. She's on her phone playing solitaire or something. <laughs> the, the all, the all, I know you. When your heads are down, oh yeah, you're reading the word. Uh -huh, yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> then you're going to go to the front desk and you're going to grab one of these. It says Hearts for Honduras. Okay, this is really, really simple. There are certain things that you can do. There's a couple of these really nifty QR codes that happen that you can buy some things that we need. We need your clothes, your, your clothes that you're not going to wear. Don't, we need you to, to don't, there, so you, the opportunity for you, we need your clothes, okay? <laughs> we're going to have a sorting party. We're going to sort all the clothes to get down to Honduras. We, we've got a prayer team. This is so simple, saints. Equip the trip. Every single person that called Crossroads Home can be involved in this, and all I'm asking you to do is to go out and see Meredith Cutchell, who will be out front uh, at the team. There's Meredith right back here. Wave Meredith. Everybody look at Meredith and wave. There she is right back here, okay? There is nothing she would rather do this morning than to tell you how to make an eternal difference. Because not only are we going to meet physical needs, we're going to share the gospel. Because it's always, always about the gospel. Yeah. So all of these things are good and right and important. All, every one of them. 
But I would be remiss this morning to spend just another couple of minutes talking about one specific good work that God calls everyone, every one of us who are Christians to. Every one of us. God's going to call you to do different things based upon, you know, again, your gifts and talents and all those things. But there's one thing that God calls all of us to. And you don't have to be a small group leader. And you don't have to be a pastor. And you don't have to be on church staff. And you don't have to be an elder to do this. This is what God calls all of us to. And again, those of you that call Crossroads home, Brett, you know exactly what I'm about to say. It's what we talk about here at Crossroads all the time. It is the essence of who we are. Because Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, what saints? Go. Therefore, go. And do what? Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He calls us to make disciples and disciple makers. That's the life that God in his goodness, in his graciousness, in his sovereignty, in his mercy, this is the life that he calls us to. It's not a burden. It's the privilege of a lifetime, Annette. It's the privilege of a lifetime. And I would tell you, I believe this, other than the ministry that we have to our families, which is the first good works that we are called to, the greatest good work that we can ever be a part of is simply this, living out the Great Commission, making disciples, and making disciples, uh, making disciple uh, makers. There is nothing better, there is nothing more satisfying than being used by God. He does all the heavy lifting, but being used by God so that come when someone comes to know Jesus. And then it doesn't stop there. So Michelle, Michelle's going to lead someone to Jesus, and then Michelle, uh, God is going to use Michelle to help that person grow in their faith, mentoring and discipling. And then the, 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 the full circle part of this is then Michelle is going to help this person do the same. Are you with me? See, God calls us to know him, right? Then we want to grow in our faith, but we don't just sit here like, you know, like lumps waiting for Jesus to come back. But he says, get in the game. He says, get in. Help somebody else do the same. Saints, that's how the gospel has always grown. When we step out in boldness to be the individuals, the families, the community of faith that he has called us to be, that's how the gospel rolls. That's how the gospel rolls here at Crossroads Community Church. It is the essence of good works. It is the essence of Christianity. That's what we're called to do. So, let's wrap it up and let me give you just a little bit of application this morning. Just a bit. If you know Jesus, you have been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You have been saved not by your good works, but you have been saved for good works. All glory to God. So, an application about as simple as I could ever give you. Uh, first is, if you have not received by his grace through putting your faith in him, if you have not received Jesus, let today be the day of your salvation. Not next week. Not next month, not next year. We're not guaranteed squat. Let today be the day of your salvation. I'll stop anything that I've got to do after this service. Caleb and I, I think I can speak for Pastor Caleb. There is no conversation. We say this to you all the time. There is no conversation we would rather have. Then what does it mean to follow Jesus? Caleb's going to give you a little, a, a little link that you can go to. If, you, if, if maybe today is not the day, but later this week, next month, whenever it may be. But if you do not know Jesus, now listen to me. I don't care how much you know about Jesus. You can know about Jesus till the cows come home. The question is, do you know him? 
intimately, personally? Have you accepted the free gift of salvation that you do not deserve and you can never earn? That is the question of your life. Second would be, if you are a follower of Jesus, what good works might he be calling you to? And, and sometimes, you know, in the business of life, we just got to stop, we got to recenter, we got to recalibrate, and we got to say, okay, God, what is it that you may be calling me to? What might that be? And then we get in the game. Then we jump in the boat. We jump in the wheelbarrow. We say, okay, God, let's do it. Maybe scaring me to death. Maybe scaring me to death with fear and trembling, but let's go. Let's do it. Let's ride. And then last but not least, who might you know that does not know Jesus? That you step out in boldness, knowing there's a risk factor. I'm going to be vulnerable, but I'm going to tell you who Jesus is. I'm going to tell you what he has done. Step out in faith. Be bold. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. He doesn't just call those, he doesn't just call the equipped, as the old saying goes, but he equips those that he calls. And if you're a follower of Jesus, he has called you to share your faith. And I guarantee you, you'll be in that conversation and there will be words coming out of your mouth and you'll back later and say, who in the world, who put those words in my mouth? Okay? I have decided to follow Jesus. There is no turning back. Christ is enough. Thanks for joining us today. I really hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like more information on Crossroads Community Church, you can check out our website at crossroadsconnect.net. And if you are ever in our area, we would love to have you visit us in person at 3003 South Eola Road, right here in Aurora, Illinois. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to having you join us again next week as we continue our series in the book of Ephesians, Walking in the Light.